en een hartelijke goeie morgen. Welkom by ons program Skrifteerlik, waar ons wekelijk saam na oplossing soek uit die skrifte, vervra waarmee gewone mense sikkel. Die Bijbel sê in Johannes 17, 17, die woord is waarheid, heilig hulle na die woord. En Psalm 119, sê, die woord is een lamp vir my voete en een licht vir my pad. Kom dan saam met ons vir die volgende uur, wanneer ons geen steen onaangeraag laat, om die waarheid te vind en licht te skyn op die vraag uit die skrifte, waarmee ek en jy moendik kan worstel nie. Kry dus gauw jou Bijbel en kom onderzoek saam met ons die skrifte. Dis moes nou skrifteerlik. From your ear, to your heart, to your mouth, to your feet. Join this life on 657 AM. And a warm hearted good morning wherever you are on God's earth on this spinning rock. Uh, it is a Tuesday and indeed a privilege to be in your company this morning. Skrifteerlik tot en met 12 uur vanmorgen, waar ons uh, kyk na vraag wat ek en jy moendlik mee mag sikkel uit die woord van die heruit en baie dankie dat jy hierdie program ondersteun. Thank you so much for listening to Scriptural where we delve in God's word, searching for answers to the problems that we, you and I might have in life. So, it works like this. If you've got a problem, somebody somewhere somehow said, doesn't it say in God's word or where does it say in God's word? that and uh, you don't know the answer to that question this is the program where you post the questions and we'll search the scriptures with you live on air now i don't have that talent but god raised up men who's got that talent and yesterday some of me in the atelier pastor rocky stevenson uh, rocky good morning to you how are you keeping on this beautiful tuesday morning very well thank you Vainant. wonderful to be here once more and to be able to sit here in a nice warm area while it's cold outside. Yeah, it is cold outside indeed in the midst of winter, but God's word warming our hearts this morning. Uh, thank you so much. I see people early, early morning on WhatsApp already posting questions. So this is how it works. If you've got a question, you uh, put it on WhatsApp, send it through to the studio. Now, the past has taught us that uh, many people don't uh, s- store this number under their contacts. I'm going to give it to you slowly. Get a pen and paper ready. Open up your contacts now. I'm going to give it to you slowly. Then you can store the number and in future, listen, we use it for everything in the studio. Sideline remark, if you post your question on WhatsApp and you send it, send it through to the studio, please mention the scripture as reference that you need clarity on. Please mention that scripture. Uh, I've seen uh, Mrs. J. Bergens. Yeah, I see your question there. Bye, thank you. She is already on the WhatsApp bezig and uh, has mentioned the scriptures, Psalms 137. We'll get to it in the course of the program. But if you have a question, and don't worry, we tackle lifestyle questions as well. Had somebody who found me yesterday with a question with regards to cremation. Um, is it God's word? Are we allowed to cremate? We have touched on that program in this very studio. Rocky, I think you've answered that question uh, in brief, but we haven't touched it in depth. And there's still people who who listen and say, well, I'm not sure. I'm I'm 80. I'm 85 now. I'm 83 now. Um, Bound to go home uh, if if the Lord grants me one of these days. And uh, is it a sin to have myself cremated? What do we say to these questions? How do we answer it? And what does the Word of God say? With regards to it. Now, I know that you're ready with your 
piece of paper and your pencil or pen or whatever and your contacts is open. Are you ready? Here's the WhatsApp number. I'm going to give it to you slowly. It's 082-581. No, I, 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 I was about to give you my own cell number. How's that for uh, messing it up terribly? Uh, 082 Six five seven two seven two nine. I've got a young man that's visiting us this morning, Aiden. He's sitting there, closed eyes, all wrapped up in the chair, and he's staring at me in disbelief. Couldn't believe I was about to give my own cell number. Aiden, even we as announcers sometimes mess up. All right, so here's the WhatsApp number in stereo. It's zero eight two six five seven. By the way, that's the frequency on which we broadcast. Did you know that? AM frequency, 657, then the number 2, and then 729. Our sister station down in Cape Town, that's the frequency on which they broadcast, ends a very, very special number. 082-657-2729. There you have the number. That's how you take part in the program until 12 o'clock. And you can your vrouw for ons deerstuur. 0826572729. Enough been said about that. Let's start with a question that we didn't get last week to Nelly. I hope you're listening this morning. Bye, dankie. Jy het vir ons een vraag ingestuur. Morgen Weinand, Pastor Rocky, please explain Isaiah 61 and verse 3. Let's say, ek het 33 vertaling Bijbel, 1933 vertaling Bijbel, maar kan jylle asjeblief vir my Jesaja 61 in vers 3 verduidelik. Rocky, just to give context to the question and clarity to the question, what does Isaiah 61 and verse 3 say? And with that, over to you. Thank you. It will be good to read from verse 1 to 3 and then head into it. It says this, The Spirit of the Lord Yahweh is upon me, because Yahweh has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim release to captives and freedom to prisoners. This is a wonderful section in Isaiah. Verse 2 says, To proclaim the favorable year of Yahweh and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, And the other verse 3 says this, To grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a headdress instead of ashes, the oil of rejoicing instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting, so they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of Yahweh, that he may show forth his beautiful glory. So this is a wonderful section, and it's a wonderful question to receive regarding this as well. And the answer if you um listening and this I'll give it to you in brief and then I'll explain it a bit more the answer to to this is Jesus first sermon when he ministered when his ministry just began John the Baptist's question um, and the baptism of Jesus and Jesus second coming so okay. now that that makes sense to everybody I'm sure yeah. after that hey Vainant uh, very much so yeah yeah that makes complete sense well let me explain it a little bit Luke chapter 4 verse 16 to 30 we find Jesus first sermon in Nazareth and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and he and as was his custom he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and he stood and he read 
and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And he opened the scroll and found the place where it was written. This is Isaiah 61, the section that we're actually dealing with. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, and to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And then Jesus stops. He stops before coming to the second part of verse 2 of Isaiah 61 and the verse 3. And then he sits down. He closes the scroll. He gives it back to the attendant, sat down, and all the eyes of everybody in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. This is a marvelous reality. And wow. he begins, and they, they're all starting to marvel. They speak well of him. They marvel at the gracious words which were coming from his lips. And he was, they were saying to themselves, is this Joseph's son? They're confused a little bit. Wow, yeah. man, this guy's speaking with such authority. He's just read a verse and a half, and they're amazed by our Lord Jesus, just by the way that he reads it and the way that he says, this has been fulfilled in your hearing. And then he continues, he says, no doubt you will say to me this quote, this proverb, physician, heal yourself. When do they do that? When Jesus was on the cross, they were busy doing that with him. They were saying, you've healed other people. Why don't you heal yourself? Why don't you take yourself off the cross? Whatever we heard took place at Capernaum, do also here in your hometown as well. And he said, truly, I say to your prophets, not welcome in his own hometown. Then he explains to them about... Elijah and the many widows that were in the land of Israel and how he went to a different widow. And and right at the end of this section, it's, it's fascinating to see the people and the response they had in verse 28 of Luke. He says this, and all the people in the synagogue were filled with rage. How did they go from being filled with awe and wonder at what the Lord Jesus says to filled with rage? Such rage that when they hear these things, they get up and they're ready to stone him. They drive him out of the city. They lead him to the edge of a hill of that city that they had built in order to throw him down the cliff. And what does Jesus do? He passes through their midst. He went on his way. This is after Jesus has just read the section in Isaiah 61. When Jesus read the scroll and he says, this is fulfilled in your hearing, and he starts to explain a little bit. They go mad. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we say, yeah, everybody is Christian until we turn to the Bible. You know, They are and, so angry yeah, at the Lord Jesus. Yeah. And Isaiah, if you're understanding what Isaiah is re- writing about in Isaiah 61, then you will know that our Lord Jesus, even in saying this is fulfilled, he's the very servant that the book of Isaiah speaks of. So if you go back to Isaiah 42, verse 1 to 4, it says this, Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one, in whom my soul is well pleased. What's, what's God saying about Jesus in Isaiah 42? He's saying this is the one that I'm pleased with. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry out or raise his voice, nor make his voice heard in the street. A crushed reed he will not break, and a, f- and a fainty burning wick he will not extinguish. He will bring forth justice in truth. He will not be faint or crushed until he has established justice on the earth, and the coastlands will wait expectantly for his law. So the first part of Isaiah 61 verse 1 to 2a the first part of verse 2, is still the church age. That's what we're still in, this favorable year of the Lord. It started with the coming of our Lord Jesus, and in particular, actually, from his baptism. 
And this is where we see the servant of the Lord. This passage in in Isaiah that we've just read now in Isaiah 42 verse 1 to 4, we see that fulfilled in Christ's baptism. Here he goes back to his hometown, he gives this sermon, and he's saying this has been fulfilled right now. But what has happened then with Isaiah 61 verse 2b and verse 63? Well, that's still to happen. There's still that to be fulfilled in Christ's second coming. And so part of my answer to the question of verse 3 is that we're going to see this happening at, at a point in the future. And this is the kind of prophecy that I believe John was confused about. Remember John who baptized the Lord? mm, Yeah, and he was in prison at that stage, wasn't he? He was. Mm. And and at the point that he is now in prison, what do you think is going through John's mind as he thinks through Isaiah's prophecies? And he thinks through, I've witnessed Isaiah 42 happen. I've seen the Spirit of God descend on Jesus in the form of a dove. I've heard the voice from on high saying, this is my son. This is the one I'm well pleased with. John knows when he had Jesus coming to him, remember he looks at Jesus as Jesus is coming to He's be baptized. And he says, behold, the, the lamb, lamb of, of God, God who takes away the sin of the world. Yeah. He's not like all the other lambs that just covered it for a little bit. Yeah. Not like all the other Passover lambs that would have to be slaughtered year after year after year. Jesus is the one that's going to take away the sin of the world. So look at Luke chapter 7, verse 18 to 23, or you could jot that down. Maybe you're driving in your car. You can think about that. Luke chapter 7, verse 18 to 23. And the disciples of John reported to him about all these things. Summoning two of his disciples, John sent them to the Lord saying, Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for someone else? When the men came to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you saying, Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for someone else? At that very time, he cured many people of diseases and afflictions and evil spirits, and he granted sight to many who were blind. And he answered and said to them, Go and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have the gospel preached to them. Blessed is the one who does not take offense at me. Prophecy fulfilled. Prophecy fulfilled. Jesus is the great preacher who God sent to fulfill the prophecies of Isaiah. And that's the answer that Jesus sends back to John. He says, I'm the one. Look at what is happening. His answer comes from Isaiah 29 verse 18 and Isaiah 35 verse 5 to 6. Jesus knew that John the Baptist was thinking through the prophecies of Isaiah. That he was thinking through, you know what, I've, I've done this. I've seen Jesus baptized. This has happened. But where's the second part? Where's the last part of verse 2? Where's the part of verse 3 of Isaiah 61? Why am I not seeing him releasing the captive? I'm sitting here in prison. I'm not seeing, you know, John's preaching, if you go and read his preaching, he was fiery for the Lord Jesus. Yes, very much And he said the axe is laid at the roots. Judgment is about to start. You're about to be destroyed for this. He, He knew that Jesus' coming was to bring judgment. He didn't think about this favorable year of the Lord as being the church age and the fact that there would be a a split between the first coming of the Lord Jesus and the second coming of the Lord Jesus. So Jesus answers and he quotes a couple of passages from Isaiah. 
If you look at Isaiah 8 verse, verse 11 to 15, this is a fascinating passage in particular. As you think through some of the recent times that we've even gone through in the world, listen to what this says in Isaiah 8 verse 11 to 15. For thus Yahweh spoke to me with a strong hand and disciplined me not to walk in the way of this people, saying, You are not to say it is a conspiracy in regard to all that the people call a conspiracy, and you are not to fear what they fear. And you shall not tremble. It is Yahweh of hosts whom you shall regard as holy. And he shall be your fear. And he shall be your cause of trembling. Then he shall become a sanctuary. But to both the houses of Israel, a stone to strike the rock a stumble over. Uh, sorry, a stone to strike and a rock to stumble over. And a snare and a trap to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And many will stumble over them. Then they will fall and be broken. They will even be snared and caught. What did Jesus say to the disciples of John as he sends them back to John? He says, don't be offended over me. He's a stumbling block to many, but he's the very salvation to those that hear him and those that turn to him. And strangely enough, after Jesus was done with the people, with opening this section in Isaiah, what were they? So offended by Jesus when he says this has been fulfilled in your hearing so angered by Jesus that they drive him out of Nazareth to a cliff to throw Jesus off why because he's an offense to them when he tells them the truth I am the messenger from Yahweh I have come to be the preacher could we could we ask each other wasn't it also I mean the Bible says our, our fight is not against flesh and blood Powers, principalities, forces of darkness. Could it also be in the demonic firing up these people? Yes, a chance to kill the Son of God, the very Son of God. But because it was not his time yet, he could walk through them, past them, and away from them. Yeah, uh, Jesus didn't even fuss. He actually proves what Isaiah says. He yeah. doesn't open his mouth and shout at them or go crazy or have to argue with them or strike up an argument. He just walks right through them. I do yeah. think that Satan would have loved to have destroyed Jesus before him. Um, rising from the dead at least. And I think yeah. that Satan was even impressed when Jesus yeah. was crucified and rejected by the people that he came to save. Yeah, But so. he, he didn't count on uh, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus from the grave. Right. But you see the Spirit of God was upon Jesus. And this is part of what angered these people. Yeah. And John 3 verse 19, and this is where I'd, I'd go with maybe some of your answer or some of the answer to your question there, Vainant, is John 3.19, this is the judgment. The light is coming to the world, but people have loved darkness. Because yeah. the works that they did, they loved. They loved their sin. People don't fall into sin. They jump into sin. They choose to sin, and they love the darkness. And when Jesus comes with the truth, it angers these people so much that they want to just kill him. They, 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 they think this guy's making them angry, when actually yeah. it's their love of their sin that's making them angry. They don't love the conviction that True Jesus brings True to this very them. day. True to this very day. Right. And the Spirit of God descended upon Jesus at his baptism in the form of a dove. The voice from heaven says, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. This we need to realize even in our day. Your works will never ever save you. Your person will never, ever save you. You must have the Lord Jesus to be saved. He is the way that God has provided. It's his perfect work, and it's his death on the cross that saves anyone at all. And even that is difficult for us in our day to accept. Why? 
because our pride tells us, no, I can do it my own way. Yeah. My, our yeah. pride tells us I'm not actually as bad as what the Bible says I am. Yeah, we've got, we've got in Afrikaans a saying, and, and, and I hear many a man and woman use it, Ek het my hart vir die Heere gegee. Uh, whereas Ephesians 2 verse 8 and 9 says, It is not the work of man. It yeah, is not. By grace alone. It is by grace and grace alone. It is not a decision. I wake up this morning, I listen to Rocky and Van, Oh, that sounds nice. Let me decide to give my heart to God. It doesn't work that way, does it? No. But you have to admit that you a sinful being that you lost without Christ that you won't see eternal there's uh, such a life. divine mystery that happens yeah. there Vainan, because yeah. of God's uh, overarching sovereignty and his purposes throughout this world and, yeah. and his desire to give himself glory that he yeah. would take men like us and people like us that are so broken in so many ways yes. and that he would call us to himself and that we actually would come because all that the father draws to himself will come to himself yes. Yes. and that's a wonder such a wonder. But I want to get back to what John's question was, because I think that's part of what the question was that we got regarding yeah. Isaiah 61 verse 3. Well, what does this mean? Yeah, right. You know, what are we actually talking about here? And why did John send the question that he had regarding our Lord Jesus? He's sitting there, as you mentioned, in prison. He tuned Herod and said to him, <laughs> Very much so. he said to Herod, listen, you can't take your brother's wife to yeah. be your wife. What yeah. you're doing is wrong. It is sinful. And Herod's going, well, don't you know who I am? Yeah. yeah <laughs> you know yeah. that statement? Yeah, yeah. Well, don't you know who I am? I'm the king here. And he throws him into prison. And John the Baptist is sitting there thinking about Isaiah 61 verse 1. Listen again to Isaiah 61 verse 1 in the, while you imagine being in a prison cell thinking through this. The spirit of the Lord Yahweh is upon me because Yahweh has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim release to captives and freedom to prisoners. Oh, well, I'm sitting here in prison, Jesus. I've been yeah. preaching truth. Yeah. I've baptized you. Been on I've fire baptized for you. others. Mm. And this is what it says about you yeah. in Isaiah, that you're going to do this. What was John wondering? I'm here in prison. Are you the one or should we look for another? Mm. And where is the rest of the prophecy? Well, Paul and Silas have seen that in action in the midst of the night, singing praises yes. to God. And there came an earthquake no, and God miraculously, yeah, miraculously opened up the prison cells. So, so yeah. they have seen it in yeah. action. And yes. fasc fascinatingly enough, I mean, you make mention of that. And yeah. it's amazing how earlier in the book of Acts, you also have the prison cells open for, for Peter and John, yeah. who were released and, and you'll remember that Herod had just beheaded James because Herod does behead John the Baptist yes and he beheads James later on and he sees well the people are so happy about this I'll arrest Peter and John yeah, as, might well, as well and behead carry them on. as well and there's hmm. a difference between Paul and Silas in the prison cells open they actually don't go because God tells them no no don't don't leave you and God saves a prison warden you know, and the church in Philippi yes. has begun in that way so yeah. it's a marvelous uh, reality of what God was doing there but but look at again the verse 2b and, and 3 of Isaiah 60, 61. To proclaim the favorable year of Yahweh and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a headdress instead of ashes, the oil of rejoicing instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting, so they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of Yahweh, that he may show forth his beautiful glory. This is a prophecy that's to still be fulfilled in Christ's second coming. 
in Christ's millennial reign, in his rescue of the Jews, in his establishment once again of Zion and as Jerusalem and as this thousand-year worship of Christ who is Lord. Will you do this, Jesus? John the Baptist is saying. I'm waiting to see this happen. I'm not seeing this difference between first and second coming. Will you set me free from the prison? Will you bring vengeance on Herod, on the Romans? Will you restore Israel? Jesus answers him and basically tells John the Baptist, Have peace, my child. Everything's going according to plan. (laughs) Everything's going according to plan. You don't understand quite yet. What John the Baptist needed was the answer that Jesus gave him. He would face his death soon. Soon after he receives this answer from his two disciples, he would actually be beheaded. Very literally, very gruesomely, his head would be put on a plate for a dinner party because Herodias had her daughter dance and Herod liked the dance. Yeah. He would be murdered. Wow. Jesus' answer would be that which John the Baptist most likely would have been thinking about as he takes his last breath as the axeman lifts the axe. It's called the eschatology of hope. John the Baptist was given this by the Lord Jesus in his answer. He could face what he was facing. He could go through what he was going through because he knew that God had it all in sovereign control. Everything was going exactly according to plan. So what does that say for you and me and the things that we face? Well, everything's going according to God's sovereign plan. Don't despair. Even though you're in prison, even whatever the circumstances, do not despair. This is the favorable year of the Lord. Yes. Because Jesus, our Lord, has come in his first coming, and he has given us the gospel. He lived the perfect life that we could never live, and he died the perfect death that we could never die. And he has made it possible for us to have real freedom and to face whatever this world may throw at us, whether it be Satan, the demons, the world, our own flesh as an enemy. He has given us the power in Christ to conquer all of this. What a marvelous reality. We're still in this church age. How long will it last? Well, only the Father knows. He knows the day that is set for Christ to come back. He knows the allotted time. This day of vengeance that he speaks about. There's a time coming of complete restoration that will happen for Israel. And we're still prepping for this in our world. Israel was completely destroyed in 70 AD as a result of them having rejected Jesus. Not even one stone stayed on another one. They were dashed to pieces. They were given the ashes. They were, they were destroyed, and Isaiah speaks of that in Isaiah 61, verse 2b and c. What would, they need this to be replaced by this. The Romans did this to them, and they didn't have their land until 1948. All right. That's All amazing. Right. Yeah. Think about yeah. how many 14th years. 14th May, 1948, yeah. They'd received just a small portion of their land back at that time, and not once in all of, of all of Israel's history have they fully occupied the full extent of the land that was promised to Abraham, not even under Solomon, who had the greatest amount of land. He had even more land than yeah. what Israel has today. Yeah. But one day they will have the full promises of God. And yeah. so this gives us hope. This gives us hope in knowing that God's got a future plan and everything is going according to plan. The first coming of Christ, the second coming of Christ. And maybe you questioning in your world like John the Baptist did in his time. Don't worry. Everything <laughs> is going according to plan. All right. You can live for the glory of God and you can die courageously in Christ. He will get all the glory and he will keep his promise. And look at this hope. I mean, down in verse 6 of the same chapter of Isaiah, 
you find um, Israel will be priests to God. Yeah, yeah. At the moment, yeah. who was the priestly tribe? It was the Levitical yeah, the, tribe. Yeah, it wasn't Levi. all of Israel. And God had made a had had a desire for Israel back in Exodus chapter nineteen verse six, where He desired that all of them would be reigning with Him. And this is a time that we will see that happen. So Isaiah sixty one verse one to three, it's referring to Christ's first and second coming. Everything is going according to plan. Keep serving the Lord as ambassadors for him, no matter how hard the world gets. Thanks, Vainan. Simple as that, Nelly. Hope that answers your question. Baie dankie vir a baie interessante vraag. Verduidelik is a blief vir my Jesaja 61 en vers 3. Uh, intensief uiteengesit en ek hoop dit maak heeltemal vir jou sin. Mrs. J. Bergens, Bergens, I hope I pronounce your name correctly. Sy sê, goeiemorgen, Pastor Rocky, Pastor Weinand. Ek wil graag weet Psalms 137, Psalm 137. Het dit enig betekenis in een mense persoonlijke leven vir dat? Does it apply to our uh, own lives today, personal uh, lives today, En wat is die betekenis dan van Psalm 137? We have a, answer, a scriptural answer for uh, uh, the, the uh, listener, Psalm 137, yes. Rocky? No, we definitely do this. Um, all of God's word has, what's wonderful about his word is it has a very in that moment meaning that never changes all throughout history. And so that's the way we view God's word. He, his word is always fresh. And so it had a specific context, and this was a lament in particular for Israel. They had been, or the southern tribes of Judah, were conquered in 586 B.C. And you'll remember that Daniel and others, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, others were taken off to Babylon. And so this is that a lament psalm that really starts off by saying, well, by the waters of Babylon, there we sat down and wept when we remembered Zion. And this is the context of that kind of a psalm. And inside of that, you do see the hope that we're still able to have regarding God's future plans even for for Israel. So if you were to look at this section, um, this, this passage, and split it up, you would see the lamentation aspect in the first four verses. You'd then see... The, the conditions in verse 5 to 6 of, of what is happening. And you'll see in verse 5 to 6 it says, If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. Let my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth. If I do not remember you, if I do not set Jerusalem above my highest joy. This was the reason that he's busy lamenting, because Jerusalem had been destroyed. And so there's a very real context that, that we find here. And then we also see... Um, the, the the kind of like overflow from that where it says remember O Lord from verse 7 against the Edomites the day of Jerusalem how they said lay it bare lay it bare down to its foundations now who were the Edomites well the sons of Edom who was Edom Esau and you have Esau and his descendants always against Jerusalem they on the hill countries to um, the eastern side of of where Jerusalem was, but even in the time of Nehemiah and him rebuilding Jerusalem. You'll remember Sanballat Tobiah. Yeah. Um, Sanballat being a descendant of Edom again. And you have this constant battle against it. And interestingly enough, and I mean this links again to what our question was earlier as I think through this, is that King Herod was what? Who is he a descendant of? 
Remember? Edomites? Edomites. Are you That's serious? It. Exactly. My goodness. And so with prophecy within the scriptures, it's almost like you have different hills. We've yeah. touched on this a little bit before. As you hike on different hills, you might think, okay, I'm now at the top, but then there's another hill and you yeah. keep on going. And so you have this being a very real um, a psalm of, of hope to a people that were in a depression because Jerusalem had just been destroyed by the Babylonians. They'd been led off to captivity. There's reason behind the fact that their captivity would be exactly 70 years. All right. And that was because of the fact that they had not taken the Sabbath year seriously. And so for 70 years, the land laid barren. But God had a plan for Israel and for Jerusalem. And this would point us again towards the fact that Jesus would come and he would redeem his people. And it speaks at the end of the psalm saying, O daughters of Babylon, doomed to be destroyed, blessed shall be he who repays you with what you have done to us. Blessed shall be he who takes your little ones and dashes them against the rock. Because that is what happened with the Babylonian captivity when they took Jerusalem captive. But this speaks even eschatologically towards God's future plan. And I do believe in a very literal rebuilding of even not just the Temple Mount, but also Babylon itself, which is now, it's about 100 kilometers, if I remember correctly, above Baghdad in Iraq. So that's where Babylon is and my, my distance might be All a little right. bit off. Somebody could go and check that out. But if you look at Revelation 18, and this is an interesting connection to this section on Babylon. Exodus, uh, sorry, J- uh, Revelation chapter 18 and from verse 2, and it says this. Um, and this is another angel from the Lord and part of the Revelation story. And it says, and he called out with a mighty voice, fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. For all nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her, and the merchants of the earth have gone down, have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living." And so there's a very future element to this psalm as well, speaking still to come. You see the nations starting to get to this place. And actually, uh, weirdly enough, um, the last time that they tried to rebuild Babylon was underneath Saddam Hussein. All right. And even the UN at this moment has got a restoration plan in place for a place like Babylon. So so the question here that the listener is posing, how does it apply to my and your life, our personal lives on a daily basis? Does it at all apply to our, our personal lives on a daily basis? Yes, indeed. This gives us hope that the Lord knows the struggles that we face as he saw the struggles of the people of Israel inside right. of captivity in Babylon. He had a future plan for Israel. There was a day of judgment that was coming for the wicked Babylonians, and it did come. Babylon did actually fall. Yes. You'll remember that. The great and mighty yes, city. Yeah. You'll remember that Daniel was actually um, with, uh, with King Nebuchadnezzar's son as he was busy drinking from the, the gold oh, beakers mene, that were many, many tickle you farsen. You've mm. been weighed, you've been measured and found wanting. Yeah. And um, Daniel gives him the, the, the prophecy to this. This very night you'll be destroyed. And the Medes and the Persians came in and they killed him and they took over Babylon. And the fall of Babylon was a great fall. Yes. But we also see that God has got his plan even within the difficulties that we face. All what right. we see from the people of Israel even there is that they were turning to the Lord. 
And the Lord did hear their prayer. And in his sovereignty, he did rescue them. And that's where a bit later on, and this is what's helpful for us as we look back over the history of Israel, is that God did bring them out under Zerubbabel, who was a descendant of David and would be in the lineage of Christ. He brings them back to to Jerusalem and he restores them in three waves. Zerubbabel, Ezra, Ezra was then rebuilding the Temple Mount, and then Nehemiah, and Nehemiah rebuilt the city walls. But even there... Those that were descendants of Edomites were against them. Another um, notorious Edomite, you'll remember in the book of Esther, you had Hateful Haman. Oh, yes. Hateful Haman was a descendant of the Edomites. That's why Mordecai wouldn't bow down to Haman. Uh, Isn't it amazing? Because the scripture says, Jacob I loved, Esau I hated. Yes. And the Edomites ever since with this curse over them uh, had a vengeful hate towards everything Israel, isn't it? Yes. Everything and, from Jacob. And there's been pagan worship of Esau that has continued throughout the millennia. There's been even some of the Germanic tribes up north have, have taken like a worship of Esau. Yeah. And that has caused oftentimes an anti-Semitism in the hearts of people. And you can go and look at some of that. It's a, it's a fascinating right. study as you look through history of the Edomites attacking the, the Jews. But this should also cause the Christian to have a fondness towards the, the eschatology of hope, the fact yeah. that God is over this, and still give this message of the gospel in the church age to a world saying there's a coming day. in South Africa. Yes, yeah, there's yeah. a coming day when the age of the Gentiles will be done. That, yeah. will, that, that will bring about God doing this massive restoration of, of Jerusalem right. and of, of the worship of Christ at that time. All right, uh, mevrouw Bergens, ek hoop dat die antwoord vir jou die vraag, baie dankie vir baie interessante vraag, uh, Psalm 137 en het het enige betekenis op ons persoonlijke levens vir vandag. If you want to send in your question, we're busy with a program called Scriptural. If you want to send in your question, uh, you can do so via WhatsApp 082-657-2729 082-657-2729 2729. Nog een vraag wat ons gekry het, ek uh, Rod M76715 <laughs> Dis al wat die WhatsApp sê, daarboe uh, Morrie, kan jylle my help Genesis 127 Verduidelik asseblief Was daar mense voor Adam en Eva? Now, we back to that scripture where uh, many people are driving in their cars listening to this program and they don't have a Bible with them. Just to give context to the question, Genesis 1.27. Uh, Rocky, what does it say? Genesis 1.27. Was daar ander mense? Were there other people on the face of the earth before Adam and Eve? Were they just used an example of human beings or were they really the first persons? Yeah, Adam, and Eve. Mm. Adam and Eve were the first man and woman that were created by God. Genesis one twenty seven says this, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Singular. Yes. Mm. Yeah, so he man. created him. Male and female, he created them. Yeah. So Genesis one twenty seven is a summary statement of what God did on the sixth day of creation. And it's Genesis 1 flows like that. You actually have this way that they use this in the Hebrew in particular. And you can see this even in Genesis 1 verse 1, where God gives a summary statement. If you read Genesis 1 verse 1, you'll all probably know it off by heart. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So there's the summary statement of Genesis 1 verse 1. And then from verse 2 of Genesis 1, he begins to explain how that worked out. And then he gives a bit more of a... 
or Dalek, I think is the word. Verdelik. There we go. Thank you. So he starts to explain what has happened in that first verse in the rest of that. And then what he does with Genesis chapter 2 is he explains that section of verse 27. And so Genesis 2 goes into day 6. It's almost like he takes a zoom in on what happens at day 6, which seemed to be um, a day that was quite busy for Adam because he was created, and then he has all the animals come to him. And as he's naming all the animals, out of all the animals he says, hey, he has a male lion, he has a lioness, he has a male monkey, he has a female Mm. monkey. There was, by the way, and never has been any other um, mm. You know, strain. There's right. been no, there's no, and, and they weren't confused either. Yes. They they knew this is male, this is female, right. and God gave, blessed them and said, "Go fill the earth." But He brings all of these animals for Adam to name, and you see some of the authority that God gave to Adam as in having dominion over the world in that section. And over that the was, world, that was something that Adam and Eve actually surrendered to somebody like Satan, who yeah. deceived them later in Genesis chapter three. But he begins to explain this in Genesis chapter 2. There was no other human beings before Adam and Eve. We also reject something that is called the gap theory, where people have misunderstood the Hebrew, and they think, okay, Genesis 1 verse 1 has a gap of however many years between verse 2 onward. Because it's verse a theory. Two, it's never yes, been proved. It's a, it's a theory that's never been proved, and it's anti-anything in the Scriptures. Right. Jesus never speaks of that. He, nobody else does in the Scriptures speak of a gap theory. Right. But verse 2 begins to explain what happened with Verse 1. And that's what verse 27 then does with chapter 2 of Genesis where it explains Adam was taken from the dust of the earth. And then all all of the animals are busy uh, being named. It's a tiring thing. He falls asleep. God takes a rib from Adam and he brings Eve to him. All happening on day 6 of creation. And so that's what the summary statement of verse 27 says. So, so in essence, no other human beings before Adam and Eve, uh, with regards to this question, I vraag verduidelik, was daar ander mense voor Adam en Eva? And the answer is definite no, not according to scriptures. Not according to the scriptures at all. And this is this creates a lot of confusion often in many, many hearts, because a lot of people will not read all of Genesis either. And so then they'll get confusion like that. And I think you've probably dealt with a question like where was, where did Cain get a wife? Or yes, where did yes, we Abel get, get a wife? Mm. And, you know, what you see even in chapter four of Genesis, where you find that, that Adam actually was a number of years old or chapter five rather of Genesis. He was a number of years old before God gave him Seth. Yeah. Um, it says in verse three of chapter five, when Adam had lived 130 years, he yeah. fathered a son in his own likeness. So this was the next time he had a son. He had Cain, he had Abel, and Ab- and Cain kills Abel, but he had other daughters as well. But yeah. now he's, he's, there's years that pass before yes. God gives another son. And an overlap of, and of, a, of these characters yes, in I mean, the Bible. these characters, they're, they're having wives. They've, they've, Cain has already killed um, Abel at this point, and he has this son in his own likeness right. named Seth. And, and you see the way that God had given Seth to them and the way that Eve responded in faith when Seth was born. And it's from the lineage of Seth that we have Christ who comes. 
And so we sometimes don't realize how much time passes by between these events. But Adam and Eve were the first man and woman. Cain would have then married one of his sisters. That was not yet a sin. It wasn't told them as a sin yet. At that point, as progressive revelation happens, we find that given. Because the gene Um, pool were fresh at that stage. Very much. And and so you have a population starting to happen. And, I mean, you've got 130 years between... um, between when, when Adam was created and Seth is born. Yeah. So we often say that Methuselah was the oldest man that lived on the earth, but you know Adam was made in his prime. He may yeah. have been made at almost 30 years old or something to that yeah. effect. Yeah. Or whatever yeah. age you are, that's obviously the prime. Super stuff. I hope that answer for you. was no other mense before Adam and Eva. I had a very interesting question from Paul Elizabeth. Rocky, we run out of time. According to the clock here, we've got seven minutes left. The gist of what uh, Elaine White is asking there from Paul Elizabeth. Uh, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, according to her understanding of the scriptures. She says, greetings from Port Elizabeth. Uh, my name is Alaline, and I will graag weet, as the Bible says, in the hell knars van tanne wees, uh, daar gaan gebrand word. But the, but the Bible says ook, uh, van as is jy tot stof is jy, en tot stof sal jy terugkeer. Betekend dit dat jy weer a vleeslike lichaam gaan hee, when you end up in hell. Does it really mean, how do I, we understand it? If the Bible says ashes to ashes, dust to dust, but the Bible says a, a, a gnashing of teeth in hell, how are we to understand that? Hoe gaan ons lichaam like in die hernaal? And I think that applied to heaven as well. Uh, not only in hell, but do we have any understanding of what the body will look like in the year, year after? Can us answer that description? Yes, we can. Um, definitely can. And um, we, we, what we have is the resurrection that happens after time when there is the ending of the thousand-year reign of Christ. And there's the final destruction when Satan is loosed and the the nations come up against Christ and yeah. they and that the end comes. We have what is called the resurrection then yes. of the dead, and that is of you know whether you're you're in ash or dust, it's all put together again, and you have a glorified body. All right. And that body is then thrown either if you've rejected Christ, you've thrown into the lake of fire, which with is all our with, senses. With all our senses, with all our senses to be with Satan and his demonic horde. Right at this moment, there's something which would be, we could call something like a a hell waiting room and a and a heaven waiting room, if that's yeah, yeah. in that sense. But there's the lake of fire, which is the final doom of all those that have rejected him. So there's a punishment right now for yeah. those that have died in their sin and not repented, not turned to Christ, not believed on him as Lord. And they're at this very moment in a torment, but it's a torment of soul and a torment of that immaterial part of man. We're made of a, a material part, the body, but we're also made of the immaterial soul spirit okay. element of man. And that is separated at that point of death. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So there's an absence from the body element, and this body that we have now rots and decays, etc. But there is a coming day when man will stand before God because it is appointed once for man uh, to die and then judgment. Um, And so man will stand before the Lord, and he will do what he said. Jesus said this a, a number of times where he will separate them left from the right the goats from the sheep 
And that, but it that will be in what day. you call a glorified body. It will be what you call a glorified body for those uh, going to eternal life with God and then with a body, uh, with all their senses, can full, pru, reik, smak, all die dinge, and uh, those who, who are sent to hell. So it will be, uh, 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 even though when the Bible speaks about ashes to ashes, dust to dust, dan praat ons van hierdie lichaam, this body that I'm in now, and the body that, that will turn to dust. Yes. To yes. the elements, no, back definitely. to the earth. But and God we, will give another body yeah. uh, for, for, for and the earth. And it's so fascinating to think of how the God took from the dust, and then he breathed the life into yeah. Adam. And now that life is his. He, he knew us before that even happened, and he created before and the good works that we would walk in. But these bodies do decay here. But there is a coming day, and that passage that I that I was mentioning um, is Hebrews nine verse twenty seven. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for Him. There's a future salvation that Romans eight even speaks about, where we long for the day of um, restitution along with all of creation that groans for that that is still going to happen for the believer we have a past salvation at the point of conversion there's a sanctification as he walks his life becoming more like christ and there's one day something that we look forward to called glorification and we will all stand before christ and there will be that judgment where he says okay you to my right you to my left you get away from me i never knew you going to the place that has been destined for Satan and those that have rejected me, and you come into your glory and come into this. And that's, that's where we have the marriage feast of the Lamb, where we've received our heavenly bodies. I'm not sure exactly how that's going to work out. It's quite a mystery. But God, who is able to take from the dust yes. and make man in the first place, he's able to give us this glorified body, a very physical body. Our Lord Jesus is. I'm has thinking that of him right body. now. A, yes. a physical body that could eat. I mean, he yes. ate in front of the yes. disciples, yes. but he could walk through a wall. And we will be like him, the yeah. Bible says. When yeah. we see him face to face, we will be like him. We will have that glorified body. Like you said, he was able to walk through walls. <laughs> he was able to eat. He was, and he's still inside of that body. Yeah. He still bears the scars of yes. the cross. Yeah. He's at the right hand of the Father. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, and he's still working for his church now. He intercedes for his church. And so there will be a time where we will have those glorified bodies, and we will have that resurrection, and some either to eternal damnation, will go there, or those that are in Christ will be with him and like he is. All right. Elilien, ek hoop dit mag vir jou sin, dat het vir jou antwoord is. Stof tot stof, maar die Heere is by machte en hy gaan ons een verheerlikde lichaam gee. En nou ja, as uh, jy verloren gaan en jy gaan hel toe, dan gaan jy ook een lichaam hee met al jou, uh, al jou senses, uh, sintuie is die mooie Afrikaans, en een uh, plek van afgrijse in uh, ons vertrouwen dat ons uh, ook dier hierdie program siele sal uh, werf vir die koninkryk van God. Time to love and leave you. Rocky, can you believe it? It's over, done and dusted. Those who'd like to write to you, my brother, where do they get hold of you? How do they email you? No, very simply, at pastor at bononibiblechurch.co.za Pastor at bononichurch.co.za 
Benoni Bible Church. Benoni Bible Church. Yeah, Pastor at Benoni Bible Church. Next week, Tuesday, if the Lord tarries and we're still in this world, we'll do another program. Scriptural, skriftierlik, onderzoek die Bible. Goed om te luister na Rocky en Weinand. Acts 17, 11 says, go and search the scriptures to see if these things are so. Rocky, Rocky bless you, my brother. Have Thank a safe you. journey back to Benoni. Yeah, every Thank blessing to all that have been listening. <laughs> and uh, till next time, all that's left to say is keep well. God bless you and shalom.